anybody, not really saying anything. And this person comes up beside you and says, you've got to come with me right now. You, are, you have been chosen to represent a client in a court of law. You've had no formal training. You've never been prepared to handle that kind of a situation. Likely, most of us don't even know basic law. <laughs> but your job is to go into a courtroom, stand before a judge, and face another lawyer who knows what he's talking about, and you're to present your case. How many of us think we can do that? How many of us are like, yes, absolutely, I'm about to really get this guy? Very few of us would probably have the gall to say that. Even fewer would have the confidence to walk into the courtroom, and I doubt none of us would actually stand before a judge. But the reality is, there are many who are Christians who don't even know the basics of the Word of God. They claim to follow after Christ, claim to want to teach what He has to say, but they don't even know what He's written. There are many who have many letters after their names. They're very intelligent men. They have a lot of understanding in earthly sense, but most of the books they've been studying is not the Word of God, but the Word of some man. As Christians, oftentimes it can become difficult to really know exactly what we're supposed to do. We're, we're great at saying what has to be done. We have to do this, we have to do this. But oftentimes we struggle with the how. We say we need to be an evangelistic church. Great! How? How do I do that? We say we need to, be, we need to stand for the truth. Awesome! How? We say, we need to dig into the Word of God. We need to study it more. How? How do we do that? How do I study more about the Word of God? How do I know what He expects of me? How do I know how to get to the true meat and message of the Word of God? How do I rightly divide the Word of truth? That was our Scripture reading this morning. It was from the book of First, uh, 2 Timothy, excuse me, and, or, and the passage that Paul is describing here, he's telling Timothy that this is how we're to do things. We're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. That's King James. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does the term rightly divide imply? That there's a wrong way. There's a wrong way to divide the word of truth. Now, what does that word divide mean? Are we trying to split up the word of God? Are we to get a, a knife out and start cutting pages out and separating the word of God? Well, no. No, divide. A, a good word for this would be diagram. Diagram. Probably some of us remember doing that. I don't know if they still do it or if it's really a big thing anymore, but when you would diagram a sentence in English class, what would you do? You would take that sentence and you would take each individual part and you'd say, okay, what does this word mean? What is this word's use? What is, how are we using this word? And you'd put it on this chart that oftentimes looked like someone just scribbled on a chalkboard. But that was designed so you can see each individual part. You can separate it and you can see, okay, this is how this works. This is how this connects to this. Friends, that's how we are to use the Word of God. We are to diagram it, to get into it, to understand what it says truly. But how do I do that? How do I do that? How do I really get into the meat of God's Word? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to read it. Shocker, right? How do I know more about the Word of God? Well, you have to open the Word of God. 
You have to read what he has to say. Now, this might seem like a super simple step. It's like, well, no duh, we got to read the Word of God. How else are we going to know anything about it? I mean, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, he tells us that it is by reading, by hearing the Word of God that we have faith. That's what produces our faith. How am I supposed to know what God has to say if I've never first heard the things that He expects of me? How can I become a member of the Lord's church properly if He's given a path, but I never understand it? That would be the equivalent of trying to figure out everything there is to know about being an adult when you've had no one show you the way. No one's told you how certain traffic laws are supposed to work. They've never told you how you're supposed to do your taxes. And if no one else told you, you at least have Google. You can go look it up. But that's the same with the Word of God. How am I supposed to know the meat of God's Word if I never take the time to read it? Friends, there's people all over this country worshiping in an assembly like this who are just letting someone else tell them how to be a Christian. Never once taking the time to find out for themselves, to check what's actually been said, to see what God has expected of them. Instead, they want to pass it on to someone else and say, well, you tell me. And I'm only going to find out one day a week. There is no other field, no other principle, no other job that would allow that little dedication. If I went up to an employer and was interviewing with this employer, I'd say, well, I want to be a worker at this location, but you know what? I only want to work one day a week. That's it. I know some people think that's a preacher's schedule, but I assure you it's not. If I just say I want to work one day a week, that employer's going to say, well, I'm, you wasted your time. I don't know what you're doing here. We'll find someone else who wants to actually be dedicated, who actually wants to focus on this job. You see, we don't get to tell God how little or how much we're going to give Him. We don't get that right to tell God, well, you should be okay with... No, we have to study. We have to learn what He has said. That is that reading, that hearing that produces faith. Produces faith in what he has to say. You see, man is weakened when he does not obtain knowledge. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What does that mean? Oh, well, they're just dumb. That's why I destroyed them. Well, no. They were ignorant of the Word of God. They weren't taking the time to study what he had said. They weren't trying to understand the law of the Lord. And so instead, they were just doing whatever they wanted to do. Friends, we can be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. All over this country, all over this world, there are churches who bear the name Church of Christ or other congregations that are saying that we know the way, but they don't have a clue what they're saying. It would be fairly easy just to throw something together, get up on a stage and speak. It's hard to actually know what you're talking about. You want to know how easy it is? How many podcasts have we seen come out in the past few years? People who have no formal education on anything, who have no expertise on anything, but buddy boy, you would think they were. Have you seen the camera angles they use? Wow, they're professional. We can go look in many government offices as well. We see people who act like they know something. 
We have to understand the Word of God. We have to study the Word of God. And the first thing we have to do is to read it. Hearing is how we can know that we have the truth. If you would please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. That's Romans chapter 10. We'll be starting in verse 14. Here Paul writing to the church in Rome says, How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, O Lord, or Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the world, and their words to the ends of all the world. But I say, did Israel not know from Moses? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy. By those who are not a nation, I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Paul starts off by saying, how is someone, how is someone going to understand the word of God if they never hear it? And the audience he was talking about was Israel. God's chosen people? Those who had prophets come to them, those who had leaders who specifically spoke to God, they don't know? We get to the end of that passage and we find out why they didn't want to hear. They refused to seek Him. Friends, we may be the best chance someone has to know the truth, to hear the truth. And I don't have to be someone who is a scholar in the Word of God to be able to tell someone that they need to think. They need to take the Word of God. They need to read it. It doesn't take a scholar. Far too often, I think, we have this mentality that the only way we can be good Christians is if we have PhDs and we know all the apologetics and we know all the Greek and we know the Hebrew and we know the Latin and we know how the history of the Bible came through. We can be followers of God without those things. We can. What we have to know is how to start a conversation. And to know where my shortcoming is and not try to fill in the blanks with fake intelligence. The most beautiful phrase that you can use when talking to someone about the Bible is, you know, I don't know. You don't have to admit defeat to say, I don't know. Because we have to be people who are in the book, who read the Word of God. But it's more than just reading, right? I mean, I can read something, and that doesn't mean I understand it. I can read a book on astrophysics, and I still will probably walk away just as ignorant as when I picked it up. So it's got to be more than that. But what's the other thing? Meditating. Meditating on the Word of God. Now, in our society, that might sound like a weird word to use because we probably have a picture of someone sitting with their legs crossed saying om all the time and trying to center themselves. No, this is a different kind of meditation. 
We are to meditate on the Word of God. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, he says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The word that's being used here in particular literally carries the idea of experiencing. Experiencing the content personally. That means I am looking at this and I am deeply considering every aspect of it. I'm saying, okay, how does that apply to this? How does this make sense? One of the definitions that was used, which really kind of was humorous to me, was it said murmuring or mumbling. You ever seen someone who's so ingrained in what they're doing, they're mumbling to themselves? Like, no, no, that doesn't make sense. How does that? No, i got to fix that. How? how? That, that doesn't quite. You ever seen someone like that? You know that person is glued in. You know if you try to talk to them, their answer is going to be, what, were you saying something? Because they're zoned in. They're focused on what God has to say in this sense. That's what the psalmist said, David was saying about this man. He said, he is a blessed man if he delights in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, he is happy to understand it because he's going to dive in to find out every detail. Friends, there, is very few, there are very few things that are more terrifying than being ignorant about the Bible. Because when someone brings something up to you, your knee-jerk response is going to be, oh, I want to get out of this situation. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But if I meditate on the Word of God, if I study the Word of God, if I learn everything I can know about it, then there's a level of confidence that comes along with that. Wait a minute, I know what I'm talking about here. I remember studying this. Maybe I had a friend who was talking about lying and say, well, it's just a little white lie. What's the big deal? But maybe I read a passage that says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. And that came from the mouth of Jesus. And I can say, well, here's the problem. You see, people may not accept what we have to say, but we should have reasons for why we do what we do. Because the reality is, because I want to is not a good enough reason to be a Christian. That's part of it, but that's not the only thing. Because if it's just because I want to, well, what happens when I stop liking it? When it starts making me uncomfortable? Bye. Walk away. We meditate on these things. We dwell on them. That picture right there is quite interesting because that's kind of how I picture things. There's gears turning. You can see people, when you start to make them think, you see the gears turning. You see, wait a minute, okay, this is, this is starting to make sense. That machine starts to turn, and it will produce something. Whether that produces a Christian, whether that produces someone who wants to reject the truth, it's going to produce something. But when we take the Word of God and we read it, we are looking at that from a purposeful position. I'm not just reading the Bible because I want to say I read the Bible today and I can say, well, God, I'm a good servant of yours because I listened to what you had to say today. Husbands in the audience, when your wife is talking to you and you hear what she has to say, is there a difference between hearing what she has to say and listening to what she has to say? Wives in the audience, you can nod too if you want to. <laughs> There's a difference. You see, when I read the Word of God, I'm hearing what He says, but I may not be listening. 
I may not be trying to put the pieces together. See, I can take a passage from the book of Romans, I can take another passage from the book of Ephesians, and I can say, man, those were both really good passages, but I may never see how they connect. This book is not a bunch of separate thoughts thrown together. They're all connected. They work together to produce an image, to produce something to see. You go through the Old Testament and you read all these prophecies of this coming kingdom or prophet. And I can say, well, that's a really interesting prophecy. That sounded kind of cool. I can look in Isaiah chapter 2 or Daniel chapter 2 or Joel chapter 2 and I hear about this, this kingdom or this mountain. I can say, wow, that's really interesting imagery. But if I never put together that's the church, I've missed the point. Because friends, that's what the Jews had done. They missed the point. They heard what God had to say, but they didn't put two and two together. Because when Jesus came to this earth, He started teaching and saying, hey, I'm the Messiah that was prophesied. This is the kingdom that was prophesied. What did they say? I don't want that. You're not what I was expecting. Friends, when we read the Word of God, we are reading it trying to understand what God wants us to know, not putting our own thoughts into it. Might be a humorous example here, but... I'm sure many of us have seen at one point or another a boy starts texting a girl and every single text is a clue she likes him. Every single one. He's reading into it. Every single text. She texted me this morning. She likes me. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You might be right, but probably not. Sorry to break it to you. Friends, we can't be putting our own opinions on what God says into the Bible. Because it's not about what you or I can come up with, because we can go around the room and say how we think things should go, and we're probably going to have all kinds of different opinions. But if we can agree what God says goes, then those opinions don't matter anymore. And it doesn't become about, well, here's how I think things should be done. The church isn't a democracy. <laughs> We don't go around and take votes on how we should do the worship service. We don't go around and take votes on how we should worship God. We don't go and take votes on what it means to go to heaven. God tells us what the reality is and we can get on board or we cannot. That's the choice He's given us. See, we're not just to read, but we're to apply. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, but be, hearers of the, or, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Be doers. Be active. Apply what we have understood. We say, okay, this is what the Bible says. I understand this is the truth. That motivates me to action. That motivates me. It's not just about hearing the Word of God, but it is about actively trying to understand it. Actively applying it piece by piece. When I come out of that water, I'm going to be a perfect Christian, right? No. If we expect that, we really have misunderstood the Bible. I'm not going to be a perfect Christian, but I'm a growing Christian. As long as I keep God at the forefront of my mind and I am studying and I am growing and I am applying things where I find them out, that's faithfulness to God. I'm committed to the cause. When God tells me I'm wrong, I say, okay, let's fix it. When God says jump, I say, how high? 
meditating on the Word of God, diligently digging into the Word of God to understand. But also, it's not just about reading. It's not just about meditating. We have to test it as well. We have to test it. Now, what do I mean by that? Do I mean that I need to get a checklist for God and I need to give Him a a test and say, okay, you need to check these boxes? Well, no. No, that's not what we're talking about here. Investigation, though, is an essential part of God's Word. We just read that today. Study to show thyself approved. Other passages say, do diligence to find yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, I dig into, I test it, I try to understand it, I try to make sense of it. See, if I don't do that, then I'm not actually trying to find out what the Lord has to say. Instead, I'm just saying, well, okay, that's what that passage says. And, well, you know, that passage says that I'm supposed to kill a billy goat. So I guess, uh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Never taking the time to differentiate between what's being said there and what's being said in another passage. The Bible records the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes it gives commands that were given by wicked men. If I'm not taking the time to dig into it and to test it, There's no telling what I can end up with. But we take the time to understand truly what God has to say. Remember in the book of Acts, how Paul was describing the Bereans. He said the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Who was teaching them? Paul. The Apostle Paul was teaching these people. And what were they doing? They were saying, hmm, okay, let me check you out. I appreciate it when I'm preaching before a congregation and someone pulls me aside and says, hey, can I understand this a little bit better? Hey, this is what you said, but this is what I'm trying to read here. Can you make sense of this? Because friends, I'm human too. I make mistakes. I'm sure Don and I both could come up with a book of stories of how we've messed something up in the pulpit. Because we're people. We make mistakes. And it's the job of the church to not only try to figure out for themselves what the truth says, but also to help others to understand it as well. I'm reminded of whenever the Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside to study with him greater because he started preaching. He was excited. He had fire for what he was doing. But he was teaching the baptism of John. And they said, hey, look, we're so thankful that you're wanting to preach. We're excited that you have this zeal. But let's talk about some things for a second. People can make mistakes. People can say something and they're so convinced it's true and then you take them aside and they say, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant to say. Or is that really what the Bible says? That's why it's important that we do talk to people. We do try to help them to understand because some people are in sin and against God, not because they want to be, but because they've been misled. Maybe they don't understand it fully. God has never been afraid to be tested. Frederick Nietzsche was famously quoted for saying that God is dead. And one of the things that he said about the church, specifically that he hated, he said... I think that the church is wrong because they never allow for investigation. Doubt is a sin. There's two passages that tell him he's wrong. 
Doubt is not wrong. It is an essential part of getting to the nitty gritty of what God has to say. Because when I have a little bit of doubt, what am I going to do? I'm going to try to find out the truth. I'm going to dig into it. I'm sure many of us have examples of this or have stories that we could tell about this where you're just maybe watching something online or you're talking to someone and they say something that kind of rubs you the wrong way. You will spend the next six hours studying that Bible passage to find out how that person's wrong. (laughs) And sometimes we find out they weren't wrong. But because that little challenge was made, I took the time to investigate what God had to say, and I dug into it deeper than I ever had before. We're to test the Word of God. That's how we begin to grasp it, how we begin to study it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is true. See what I've said? Prove it. Show it to be true. Investigation opens the door for confidence. I can say that someone is guilty of a crime in the United States of America, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I can bring an accusation, but where's the evidence? Where's the compelling case you can make before a court of law? I can make a claim from the Word of God but I better back it up. Because if I can't back it up, that's not the Word of God. That's coming from me. Or that's coming from you. Or that's coming from some other person. And friends, if we're not following the Word of God, what are we following? How can I claim to be a follower of God if I refuse to listen to what He has to say and I put my own opinions in? Or I put the opinion of some really smart guy because, man, he was really smart. Oftentimes in society, we like to make these arguments from authority. Saying that because this man has X number of degrees after his name or letters after his name or he's spent X amount of time in school, that automatically that guy knows exactly what he's talking about. We need to instead be focused on what are the facts. Because a man can have a thousand PhDs after his name, but if he's not stating facts, if he's not actually showing what he's talking about, he's just another man. Degrees don't make us to be factual. They don't make us authorities. Only telling the truth is what makes us an authority. If I have the evidence before me and I say, this is what it just, it just said this. I know one of my favorite things to say in a Bible study is that this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. It wasn't me who said anything. We just read the Bible. I've had someone get so angry at me just because I read the Bible. And they're like, how dare you say that? I was like, that wasn't me who said it. Not one sentence of what we just talked about was from me. You know how liberating a feeling that is? It wasn't my words that could be twisted or misconstrued. No, that was the Word of God. 
That's an exciting thing to hold on to. That's a wonderful thing to hold on to. Investigation opens the door for confidence. Look at John chapter 5. That's John chapter 5. Verse 39 specifically, he says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of Me. Jesus was making this statement in reference to people who weren't listening. They weren't digging into the Word of God, but He says, You search the Scriptures, that's what testifies of Me. And that ultimately is the crux of all of this. Why do I want to search the Scriptures? Why do I want to dig into all of this? Because that is how I truly get to know God. Any other way doesn't work. I can listen to all the seminars, all the preachers, all the events that I want to. And I could still be no closer to God than I was before. But if I dig into His Word, the letter that He wrote to you and to me to understand Him better... That's the best path. But it takes effort. It takes reading the Word of God. It takes trying to pick apart it to see what it says, why it says it. It takes meditating on those things that we have read, taking the time to dwell on it, to make all of it make sense, to ask questions, to try to figure it out. And yes, sometimes to mumble to ourselves in a room by ourselves. but it also takes testing to find out whether the things that I've been taught, to find out whether the things that I believe are actually true and why. Friends, this is a new group. And with that comes unique opportunities. For us to take a look at what we're doing while we're doing it. To say, have everything that we've been doing in the past, is it actually what the Bible says? To ask questions, to investigate, to try to make sense of it all. We have two awesome elders. You have a subpar preacher who will be happy to sit down and talk to you. And there's other members here as well who have many years of Bible study experience. Ask questions. Try to find out more because this is how we're going to understand what God wants us to do. This is how we can be the church of Christ and not a church of Christ. Maybe this morning... You've never taken the time to understand. Maybe this is your first time even hearing about the Bible. We'd be happy to sit down and talk with you more and help you to understand the truth as well. Maybe you've been studying the Bible and you understand a lot about it, but maybe you've never taken the time to become a Christian. Maybe all these things sound great, but they don't apply to me. He made the plan simple and available. He said we must hear the Word. We just talked about that in Romans 10, 17. Believe it to be true, John 8, 24. Upon believing that Word, we're willing to repent of all of our past sins, Acts 17, 30. And based upon that repentance, we're willing to confess. Confess of all of our past sins. To say, this is where I was before, but I'm following after Christ, and I'm making that commitment to follow Him, Romans 10, 10. And based upon that confession, I'm willing to be baptized into Christ. According to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, 1 Peter 3, 21, bearing that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life. But maybe you already did that. 
Maybe you've already become a Christian. Maybe you have been for many years. And maybe you allowed things to get in the way. Maybe you haven't been studying the Word of God like you should. Maybe you haven't been growing in the Word of God and you want to make that right. Maybe that lack of knowledge has begun to let too many things into your life that are against Him. According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He wants to make you right with Him. He wants to bring you back into the fold. Having all that guilt, that shame, and that fear left behind for good. You can make that decision this morning. You can leave these doors without any fear, any guilt, and any shame. If you have any need this morning, don't hesitate. Come now as together as we stand as we sing.